Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads. I'm Meg Fora, and this is Sense by Meg Fora. And each week, I'm joined by either a mum or a professional to talk us through one of the thorny areas or the delightful areas of early parenting. And today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined again by Kath McGaw. Now, Kath is a pediatric dietitian. She is the advisor on the Parent Sense app. She runs a very busy private practice where she sees little ones right from prem babies through until school-aged children with a variety of problems from weight gain to picky eating across to the more medical side of things. And Kath really is, as far as I'm concerned, the authority on infant feeding. She got her pediatric dietetics qualification from the John Hopkins University in the United States of America. But more than that, it's been her extensive experience working with moms and babies over the years. So this week we are joined by Kath and I would like to really just welcome her on board. Welcome, Kath. Thanks for having me again, Meg. Excellent. Now, one of the funnest projects I have ever worked on, Kath, was the Weaning Sense book that you and I did together. And Weaning Sense was, it was such an interesting project because it was probably the quickest write of any of my eight books. It was the easiest write of any of my eight books. And yet it's the number one bestseller of all of the eight books. Um, I think it even exceeds Baby Sense now. And it really was such a fun book to write. Now, when we did it, we focused very much on weaning foods, taking babies through the ready, steady, go stages, the mush purees, the porridges, the family meals like the mushroom risotto as an example. What we did also do was pop in a couple of snack menus uh, or snack recipes. But having said that, we clearly didn't do a good enough job, Kath. And the reason for that is that I am always inundated with questions from moms on what snacks do I feed my babies? And so that's the focus of today's topic. And that is snacks and on the meal, on the go meals. And how do we, you know, what do we make? What really works well for our little ones? Do you find that lots of moms ask you about snacks? Yeah, snacks is, is a hard one because, you know, snacks in, in adults kind of terms, you know, looks a certain way, but it's not always appropriate for a baby to eat a snack like that, especially your baby that's still weaning, still learning, still navigating how to eat. So it is one of a, a very common, common question. And also how to fit in snacks in the schedule of eating is also a big challenge often. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we know that weaning can start anywhere between four months and six months of age. But let's say we've started our baby at about five months of age on weaning foods. They're now on three meals a day. At what age do we start to put snacks in between meals into a baby's routine or diet? So I normally tell moms I define snacks in twofold. So you get the snacks, which are for developmental purpose, which is what we would do with that newly weaned baby. So once they're on their three meals, we can start to incorporate snacks once a day at a happy time in a relaxed way that doesn't have to offer nutritional value, but is there for the baby to learn, start learning how to self-feed, how to chew on maybe like a stick of baby biltong or a dried fruit mango, something that is safe that they can just chew on and it 
gives a different experience in the mouth. So that is your kind of non-nutritional focus snack. Mm -hmm. And then once your child reaches about eight, nine months and they start dropping their bottle, maybe their mid-morning or their mid-afternoon bottle, you're going to then replace it with a more nutritious snack. So then the snack will move from just more a developmental, non-nutritious focus snack to a more nutritious focus snack. And that's around about eight, nine months. Yes. And of course, that is the time when mums, I mean, many of you freak out because your baby wants to have less and less of that feed. So a little bit on that, you you have most babies are having around about four feeds or feeding four hourly during the day at about six to seven months of age. So that's kind of a feed at maybe six, 10 to six, as an example. I mean, mm-hmm. never according to a clock exactly, but approximately. And that 10 o'clock and two o'clock feed suddenly becomes a little trickier. They don't want it anymore. And that's because they're starting to drop that milk. And as Kath mentioned, that happens, you know, kind of around about eight months of age. And so that's when snacks are very important, I suppose. So what happens as you introduce snacks? Do we then pull back the milk intentionally or do we follow our little one's lead and let them start to decrease the amount of milk they're taking in at these mid-afternoon, mid-morning snack times? So I think, I mean, you develop the sensory personalities and I always say my slow to warm up babies will just keep that bottle and those bottle snacks going forever in a day. So sometimes, and the easygoing baby as well, you know, they also sometimes need a bit of a push. It's often your sensory sensitive baby or the baby that didn't really love the bottle or milk feeding or your social butterfly that just finds it very unsociable to drink out of a bottle or at your breast. And they'll be very keen on the snack and easily drop the bottle. So they will generally lead you. Your kind of slow to warm up baby that takes a little bit longer to get onto things needs a bit of encouragement. So definitely by by about eight, nine months, if they haven't shown any sign of wanting to decrease that, I normally suggest to moms that they decrease maybe the afternoon one a little bit and half the bottle and add a snack to that. And then slowly, just slowly for your baby, just take it away gently, but it is important to start to remove because remember we're doing the shift where we're moving over from exclusive milk, then to milk with some solids and then to solids with some milk and then eventually solids become the priority. So we need to continually move in that direction. Excellent. So Kath, for that, because now we're talking about prioritizing that mid-afternoon or mid-morning snack, let's say from eight months onwards, could you just give us a couple of ideas of really good ideas for snacks at, at those times? So normally in the beginning, because babies are still young and they're still developing the skills for eating, the snacks can still be like a yogurt, which is smooth. So I normally like to always say with the snack, something the baby can hold and something that you can feed because that normally works quite well. The feed-in has obviously got the nutritional elements, especially if you're removing now the bottle, which is where the nutrition was in. Mm -hmm. So be it a bit of yogurt, be it a bit of, can even be a bit of custard that you make at home. It can even be a bit of a fruit puree snack. And then alongside that, you can have little pieces of soft fruit or you can have, like I say, a baby dry biltong. It could be a little bit of toast with some nut butter. It can be a little bit of, and that they can hold. So those are those are nice ideas that you can have. Even like little fritters and little crumpets and little pancake type of snacks are also quite nice because they can be held by the baby, sucked on, eaten, and it's actually quite easy for them to to learn to chew and navigate. But I really like to, if you're removing the bottle, replace it with like a dairy 
Or if your child can't have dairy, then you can do like a dairy alternative. So it could be coconut yogurt or could be a full cream yogurt. Okay. So do we want to, you know, like with the meals, we like to focus on our proteins, carbs, vegetables, fruits, that type of thing. And, and I mean, I'd love, you and I have had a conversation around grow, glow and go foods. So your go foods being energy, your glow foods being health and your grow foods being, you know, your protein foods. Do we want to put these into, do we want to focus on having um, an element from each of these little food groups into each snack as well? Or are we going to say, no, we'll just have one, one thing in each, in, you know, on offer or, or one thing for the baby told one thing for the mom to, to feed. Is that the principle? Or do we also want to say we want protein, we want fruit, we want carbs? Yeah, no, I don't think for snacks, because, you know, that, that creates quite a bit of pressure when you are trying to incorporate those, which are important for our meal times. It's snack time. I like it to be a bit more relaxed. Mm. And then mom can often a dairy around your snack time, which, you know, is from your kind of protein, your go, your growth food. And then you're definitely at one of your snacks, you can have some fruit in it, but you don't have to have all three. So if you are then bringing in two snacks in the morning, you can have one food that's got your carbs or your go foods with your fat, like your nut butter. And then your afternoon, you can have your dairy with your fruit or something like that. So you can kind of over the two snacks, incorporate those food groups. This episode is brought to us by ParentSense the all-in-one baby and parenting app that help you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. And what about things that are traditionally put in mealtimes? Like, for instance, a chopped up boiled egg or a, a slice of cheese, as an example. Would you put that in a snack? So you can definitely put that in a snack. Again, it depends on where your baby's at. So if your baby is developmentally able to navigate a piece of cheese at snack time, then that's a wonderful, it could be a soft cheese. You get some really soft, cheeses that the baby can mush between their fingers and mm -hmm. that's lovely like and your so cream cheeses like and a cream cheese yeah or yeah any on that what about your cheeses with molds on them like for instance a blue cheese i mean i know it's a it's a, a really out there flavor or a camembert cheese is that the sort of thing you'd give at snack time you can definitely you know we i've got a little French family, well, not a little French family, but a French family I'm looking after and they've got a little one who's weaning and it's been quite awesome to mm. watch what this little one is weaning onto. Mm. So absolutely. So it really is what works for you. And if you've got a baby that's adventurous and loves different flavors and has that kind of more umani palette, they would probably love something like that. So you really can include that and they are soft. So your cheeses do need to be soft. And I think you would just need to also grate in cheese can work really nicely. Grate in apple, grate in cheese, grate in pear, you know, even grate in a bit of beetroot. You can really have some grated food, which is not going to be a choking risk that the baby can actually put them in the mouth and, and just play. So I think it's really important that snack time is an opportunity for a baby to hone on their feeding developmental skills. You know, at feeding time, we kind of want to get the food in. We, we need to get the food in. And if your baby's a bit slow with that, it might not be the most appropriate time to have this whole learning 
any experience. But snack time is that opportunity to do that. Absolutely. And Kath, another thing that kind of came to mind as you were talking, so you spoke, in, you spoke about decreasing the milk and therefore putting some dairy in in the form of, of a yogurt. Let's talk about the either allergy babies who can't be on a dairy or the vegan babies. What sort of replacements would you put into the snack time for them? So with those babies, I would, I would use either like a milk alternative. So you can make your own homemade custard and you could use like an almond milk or you could use oat milk as a base, or you can get a coconut yogurt or you, you know, those type of yogurts. I'm not a big fan of the adult soya products for children because they do have quite a lot of phytoestrogens in it. So I've got no problem with soya formula because that's very regulated and well controlled. But we don't have that same control over our just soya products and we're not always sure where they come from. So having said that, you do have these days lots of different alternatives with your coconut yogurts and that. And then you can add in some nut butter, which adds the calcium and that element that maybe isn't as, and protein, which isn't as high in your vegan or dairy alternatives. Oh, lovely. Super, super ideas. So let's now talk about meals on the go, which kind of in some ways are almost like snacks. But let's talk about younger babies. So this is a baby who's just been weaned, maybe a five-month-old, who's actually on, on a lot of purees and mushes, and you're now out and about, and you actually just don't, you know, don't have the opportunity to make food where you are. What do you, what do you take? What should we do? So you can either... You can, you can go to your local shop and you get jars or you get pouches mm-hmm. or you get little sachets. And those actually do work quite well for traveling because you you can just use what you need. And then you will obviously, if you can't put it in a fridge or something, you will then need to obviously discard it. Kath, let's, before you actually go on there, let, let's talk about that because that's such an important issue is being given, first of all, giving parents permission to use convenience food. So that's great. Absolutely. Tick that box. But not all convenience foods are made equal. So could you just talk us through what a mom should be looking for when she's choosing a convenience food to take with her? She's she's one of those moms who wants to prepare all her baby's food at home, but she needs her convenience foods. What does she look for on the label? Yeah, so I think it's really important. So firstly, you obviously don't want any nasties in any of your convenience foods. So it shouldn't have a lot of preservatives, E-numbers, a lot of sugar added to it. It's not necessary, especially in your early weaning baby. And then it needs to be in a sealed container. So your jarred foods do have good nutrition in them. Even though they seem to be on the shelf, it's the process by which they were developed and the way they were cooked and the heating method. So it's it's very similar heating method that's used like with UHT milk mm. that you buy in the box. So it protects, it removes all the bacteria, it's heated to a very, very high level, and then it's cooled down very, very quickly. Does that not kill the nutrients? No. So it only so it will kill vitamin C. Mm-hmm. But when you cook your baby's food, you also kill vitamin C. Okay. And I think that's really important to remember. It's really your water-soluble, heat-resistant, your your heat-labile vitamins that are going to be affected, which is predominantly vitamin C. Vitamin A and your vitamin Bs are very stable, and they will be 
part of that and it will be absolutely fine. Mm. So your vitamin C is something which is very difficult to preserve if you are preparing ahead of time, cooking it. Even if you peel yourself an orange and eat it two hours later, you've lost half the vitamin C. So vitamin C, you just look at it and it disappears. So to, to get that in, just keep giving your baby fresh fruit and do that on the road. But your, your protein, your calories, your fats, your omegas, all of that, if it's part of the original food that was made to go into the jar, the pouch or the sachet will still be present in the jar pouch and sachet. And so heat treatment is probably the safest way to pr- preserve the food. What worries me is, is foods that get made in facilities that don't have legislation around them, that haven't mm. been checked by health standards. There's a lot that goes into producing baby foods and it's not very well regulated. Specifically in South Africa, we don't have very good regulation and basically anyone can sell baby food. You don't have to have a license to sell it like you have to have in some countries. You don't have to have any health inspector come to your facilities like you have to have in some countries. Mm. So at the moment, it's a huge market that's evolving with very little legislation and regulation around it. Yeah. You know, Kath, I mean, you and I have been at the rock face of this. I don't know, um, for mom's information, Kath and I actually developed a, a weaning product called Weaning Sense. It's available through YouCook and it is a fabulous food range for little ones. It is super highly regulated and tested. And what was what has been quite distressing to watch is how many, I want to call them mom and pop shops where, where moms are kind of making the food in her kitchen and are then selling it either through clinic sisters rooms or even actually through some big retailers. And it's really scary because we know for a fact that it's not going through the all the hoops that we know the baby food needs to go through. So, you know, a really reputable supplier is something that's really important when you're going to pick those convenience foods as well. Hundred percent. And Kath, you've mentioned. I mean, we went into this in a lot of detail in Weaning Sense. So, for those of you who want more information on how to read labels, go and get go and get your Weaning Sense book out. It's actually in one of our chapters. But Kath, you mentioned there that there are a couple of things that are on the labels that you don't want to be feeding to your babies. Things like e numbers, as an example, mm. and preservatives. Are there anything else that should be red flags for moms as they buying these convenience foods? Yes, obviously. You know, if there's high levels of sodium or high levels of sugar, it's really not necessary to be included. However, I can definitely rest assure you that all our regulated products out there that are in jars or being heat treated, like our product, for example, or any other products that are reputable, the sachets through your your stores, those are very well regulated with regards to what is allowed and isn't allowed on labels. Yeah. That's the other thing that worries me a lot about your kind of mom and pop shop is that to go and get actual nutri, nutrition tables on what's actually in the food costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And the reliability of of some of the products that are out there at the moment is a big concern for me, especially as a professional trying to do very technical medical diets and they needing to use those foods and I can't actually get the nutritional information them. about them. Yeah, so it's really difficult. Mm. Very interesting. I think anecdotally back to a story when we talk about going out and about with little ones. So one of the options is 
obviously that you take your convenience foods with you that I, you've mentioned, but there are actually other options. And I'm thinking back to a story that we used to do with our little ones. And that was that, and this, you know, I mean, I had three children and my third one was spaced quite far away from the older two. And so with the older two, we'd often go to the spur because of course that's where you go when you've got kids. Thank goodness my kids are older now. <laughs> I don't have to deal with the noise of the spur, but wow, was it a favorite when my little ones were little. So we used to take Emily, my youngest, to the spur. And what I used to do, Kath, is I used to go to that, that you know, they, they had that, I don't know if they still have it, that veggie bar. The veggie bar. And I used to go and get either the spinach, the creamed spinach, or the creamed butternut. I'd take a little block of either butter or cream cheese from the bar or else take one along with me in my nappy bag and kind of mash it in to give it some nice kind of dairy or, or protein in the, into the butternut. Is that the type of thing you can do? I mean, can you be, you know, as kind of fly by night as that? Yeah, I think, you know, going to restaurants these days, you definitely can. So if your child doesn't have allergies and you're not worried about that and you've tried, you know, kind of dairy and you've tried nuts, then you can definitely do that. I wouldn't recommend that if you haven't introduced your child yet to one of those allergens like nuts and that because you can't be 100% guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But you can definitely do that. And I've even had it at restaurants. I remember even asking a restaurant to just, bring me some veggies and they mashed it for me and we fed it at the table. That's definitely doable when eaten out. If you enjoy my podcast, I would like to share one of my favorite podcasts with you, The Honest Hour. Christina Mazurik is mom to two boys and a third little boy on the way. She's an American expat living in Cape Town, South Africa since 2008 and decided to start sharing her experiences in parenting since 2017. Having grown up in a dysfunctional family environment in her own childhood, which led to her adoption at the age of 10, Christina is passionate about finding purpose and presence in parenting, as well as exploring our own opportunity for healing and personal growth as we navigate the world of parenting our own children. Christina believes in ending the trauma cycle and that in parenting our own children, we can learn how to reparent ourselves. So pop on over to Christina's podcast, The Honest Hour. And what about now when we're traveling? I mean, I did an episode on travel on the podcast. People can go and listen out for that one. And we had a look at, you know, feeding your little one in the car or on a plane. I mean, that's always a bit of a nightmare because it's going to ha- probably end up in the car seat or on the floor of the plane. And, you know, what, what sort of snacks should we be taking for on the, on the go meals and snacks while we're traveling? So that's where I really think the pouches and sachets that you get these days are so wonderful. And if you're a mom that really loves to even cook yourself, you can even buy pouches that you can fill yourself and with your food and it seals nicely and it cooks. The nice thing is for your little toddler, they can just sit and suck their pouch so it's a bit less messy. For your baby, you can just spoon it spoon by spoon onto the pouch, then pop the lid on. So it's it's definitely helpful for that traveling when your baby is still in the pureed phase or your toddler just quickly going to have something nutritious on the go. You get breakfast ones and you get, you know, lunch and you get snack ones and different options like that. So I think those are definitely one of the most convenient and they don't have to be refrigerated until they've been opened. And then you might have to discard one or two if they didn't finish it fully. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, obviously if, you're, if your child's a bit older, navigating like some of your finger biscuits, some, you know, some of your tea and biscuits. There's some really nice ranges out there that they can do little handheld 
veggie straws, little coconut rolls. They're some mm. of my favorite because they, they're dissolvable. So you literally bite on them and they just dissolve in, in the mouth, which is wonderful the ch- with a child who can't chew adequately yet. And you don't want them choking while you fly or on the train or something like that. So those are lovely just to pack into your pack and give them as little snacks as well. Absolutely fabulous. You've kind of opened up a little Pandora's box for me, Kath. And that's the pouch foods. So I hear you that those pouches are wonderful because we can squeeze it onto a spoon for babies and our toddlers can squeeze them into their mouths when, when, we, when we're on the go and we're traveling. However, I do think that, and listen, lazy parenting, we're all the best at it. And we all, you know, I certainly wear that hat because you take the path of least resistance. But I do think that sometimes we can fall into the trap of just giving our little ones the pouches to just suck on without giving them solid meals. And do you as a dietitian have concerns around those pouches for any of those reasons? And also maybe the amount of sugar that's in them, particularly if you're looking at the fruit ones and if that's the, the, the snack of choice for your little one all the time, is there an obesity risk? Do you have any concerns or is this something that is always a good thing? Yeah, so I think I think it's very important. So so there's a time and a place for it. And I always say to parents, it's like takeaways. You're not going to go and get pizza takeaways every single night of the week. And you're not going to go and have a piece of cake and coffee every single day of the week. And that's how I see parents need to really look at the pouch and the snack pot and the sachet options. It's really for those moments. You know, when we travel and we are on the plane and we need the convenience or we're on the train or in the car, we need the convenience. It is so helpful. But if it's the go-to for the day and that's all your toddler is wanting to have, then it is a concern. With regards to the sugar, I often say even for the toddlers, you can give the younger baby pouches because they don't have the sugar in it. And then at least you're not giving all those extra sugars. If they are having those as the norm consistently, it's passive eating. So it's not metabolically active food because all the digestion is literally done. And so your child is literally, it's it's almost equates to to drinking fruit juice, which which I'm not a big fan of at all, because that increases the risk of obesity. So, and similarly with the pouch, because you're just literally sucking it up, then it's also going to be a lot more concentrated fructose in it, increasing your risk of obesity, because they tend to eat a lot more than if they were eating and chewing through pieces of fruit. So a hundred percent, I think there is a place for it. And I think it can play a helpful role at certain seasons and times like outings and going traveling. But there's definitely, I would say at home, just stick with your healthy options with regards to chewing and actually navigating food. Excellent. Kath, that is super advice. And you know, I think it's so important that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because uh, the proverbial baby, because it would be very easy for us to say absolutely no pouches because of the risk of obesity, because of the sugar content, because of the passive eating, because we're not working our little mouth muscles, which is so important for speech. There's a million reasons why pouch eating is not the best idea. But actually, we know that life happens and we know that we have to travel. And so there's certainly a time and place for pouch eating and a travel travel and, and journeys are a good example of that. So, Kath, as usual, you have given us an enormous amount of information in a very short period of time. Mums, I think that this is the go-to episode on snacks. Do share it with your friends. Um, Subscribe to the podcast because this is where you'll hear all of this type of fabulous information. And, Kath, from me, thank you so much for once again being part of a mum's journey and for all that you do for our mums. 
Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Meg. Cheers. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.